Well, good day, everybody. It is so good to be with you all here. I'm so excited to be with you guys this afternoon and, and to be able to be up here and share this time with you guys together. Thank you, Pastor Denville, for this opportunity. Yay! I'm so excited that I got to be here and, and get to do this with you guys. And so, as Pastor Denville was saying, we're in the series here in Doral where we're talking about the word risk. And we're taking every single letter and we're breaking it down, R-I-S. So last week, we tackled the first two letters in that word, risk, and today we're going we're gonna to tackle the third letter. So the first, as Pastor Denville was saying, was, was the letter R, and it stood for, what did he say it stood for? Yes, you guys were listening. Good. Receive the kingdom. And then the I, I came up uh, last week, and I shared the second part of the message. The I stands for, anybody remember? interpret the kingdom. Very good. And so today we're going to talk about S and the S, as Pastor Denville said, he let the cat out of the bag, stands for? Okay. We're kind of awake here today. All right. So yes, yes, yes. So if you missed last week, last week we talked about with uh, receiving the kingdom, it takes humility, humility to receive the kingdom. In interpreting the kingdom, we talked about how it takes obedience to interpret the kingdom. And so last week, we, I don't know if you remember, but we burned some plows. Anybody remember we burning some plows last week? We talked about, yeah, burning some plows. And so last week, we burned some plows. We left anything that is holding us back from going all that we can with God. Anything that's holding us back, let's burn the plow. Let's go for what God has. So today, as we move on to the letter S and sharing the kingdom, uh, we're going to look at Continue looking at the life of Elisha. And so if last week we burned some plows, today we're going to learn how to dig some ditches. Today we're going to learn about digging some ditches. So I want to make sure I say that word right. <laughs> ditches, it starts with that. Okay, so, so as I, my prayer, you guys, is that we would all learn to be risk takers. I mean, that's what this whole series is all about, is about taking a risk, and that we would all learn how to be risk takers, because that's what, this, that's what life is all about in following God, is how to take a risk, all right? And so especially during these times in the United States, we have to be mindful I mean, uh, I heard last night an eloquent speaker talk about how the United States, the soul of the United States is hemorrhaging. And I thought that was, that's so good. That is absolutely true with everything that's going on with the violence and, and, and the racial divide, everything that's going on. It, it's so important that we be the people of God and bring this kingdom of God because that's what they need. Nothing else is going gonna, is gonna to be the solution, right? How many of you know that? No matter who's in office, it doesn't matter what president comes out. They ain't going to change, right? Right? It's, it's about what the kingdom of God can do in people's lives. And so that's really what we want to talk about. So I wanted to, to let you all know before I continue, because I think it was rude of me last time I was here to not introduce the people that were with me, my family. And so I don't think I did, right? Did I introduce my family? No, right? You guys are shaking your heads. Rude, rude, rude. Okay, so I'm going to introduce to you guys uh, my lovely wife of eight years, eight years. Yeah, I can't believe it's been eight years. Her name is Marie. Would you show your two fingers up and give everybody a double deuce? Yes. Hey, everybody. That's Marie, my wife of eight years, and I have two ones, two boys. I have Abdelito, which you guys may remember. He came up and helped me. Yes. 
do the message. This week he didn't want to come up, so I'm flying solo. So I still hope I can keep your attention, but pray for me. Um, so Abdelito is our oldest. He's four. And then our youngest one is Esteban, and I believe he's in the back. He's in the back. So, so yeah, that's them. And then I want to introduce my extended family to you all. And that is our, our Cuba team, my Cuba team, that is going in less than two weeks. Ten days, is it? Ten days. We're going to Cuba. And so some of them are here. Would you all raise your hands and wave at everybody? They're going with us. We're going together to Cuba. Uh, that's about, what, maybe a quarter of the team or half the team, close to half the team. We were missing a few folks out of town, different things going on. But I'm glad that you guys can be here because you're going to be my sermon illustration today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about them. And then after, I would love for Pastor Denville to pray for us and some of your leaders and you guys here would pray for us as we head out because we would love to get a prayer. Um, we need it as we're going into Cuba. So. So uh, I want to start off today with asking you if you've ever done, ever played that if only game, you know, if only my prayers would be answered, then life would be so much better. Life would be so much easier. If only I had a little more money, then I could do what I really want to do. If only, you might be a single woman here, if only I had a man, right? The scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz, he said, if I only had a brain, right? Maybe there's a, a married woman in the house today that said, if only I had a man with a job, right? <laughs> if only I had a man, or maybe you hear you saying, if only I had a man with a job that was actually good looking and looked like Rafael Nadal or Cristiano Ronaldo. Anybody know, not know who that is? Anybody not know you guys? Was that a total fail? I was trying to think of somebody that was famous and good looking this week, and the only person I kept coming up with was... Jamie Collazo, for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. I could just couldn't think of anybody else. <laughs> couldn't think of anybody else. I just kept coming up. It's the beard, bro. It's the beard. I'm still getting used to that, man. I, I just I couldn't think of anybody else. So, so it's Jamie. So, Jamie, I, my folks don't know who you are, so you may want to wave your hand so they know. Isn't he good looking? That's a good looking man right there. All right. So, so, so if only, if only this would happen. Well, this kind of sets a little bit of the stage for us with the story we're going to jump into in the Second Kings, I believe it's chapter 3, chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. And it is so good to see some familiar faces here. I feel so at home with you guys. So I just want to, yeah, thank you. I just, I, I see some faces and I, it's good to see y'all here today. So Second Kings chapter 3, verses 9 through 12, and I'm going to set the context of what we're going to talk about. And then we're going to talk a little more about, about why we're talking about this as we look at sharing the kingdom. So 2 Kings chapter, nine, ver, uh, chapter 3, sorry, verses 9 through 12. I'm a little nervous, so that's why I kind of mess up the numbers, but you guys feel me. Chapter 3. All right, so, so the, the scenario is there's three kings. There's three kings that represent three different nations, three different armies. And they decide to get together and wage war on this one other nation, this one other army, this one other king. And so they think it's going to be easy, easy peasy. They're like, this is going to be a piece of cake, right? We're going to be able to beat them three against one. We got this, no problem. But how many of you know that sometimes life 
doesn't always turn out the way we thought it would, right? Sometimes life throws us a curveball and we really, we're like, what in the world is happening to us now? And that is exactly what's happening to these three kings. They thought this was going to be easy. And they find themselves now with their armies and, and everything that's with them walking for seven days without water and they are literally dying of thirst. They're dying of thirst. Their animals are dying of thirst. And they're like, if only, if only we had some water, if only we had some water, then we would be okay. And so today, as we look into this message, I, I, I want you guys to think about your greatest need, your greatest need, whatever need you have, your greatest need. And I want you to think about looking at this talk today, at this message through the lens of your greatest need. Because uh, if you want to take notes, I, I, I want to, my first point is here, if you want, you can, if you don't have to, but my first point here is that your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. And we're going we're gonna to look at that. So I want you guys to keep that in mind. We'll start here in 2 Kings chapter 3, and we'll read verses 9 through 12 to get us going. Here's what verse 9 says. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. This would be our three kings, right? After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for their animals with them. You guys, can anybody say they're in trouble? Can you all say they're in trouble? Okay, that was better. Verse 10. What exclaimed the king of Israel? In our vernacular here in Miami, we would say, no, <laughs> right? What is going on here, right? Look what he says. He says, has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? In other words, we thought we would win easily. We thought we got this. This is not going to be a problem. But now it looks like we're the ones that are going to be destroyed. We pick up here, but Jehoshaphat, one of the kings, asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. So now if you missed last week, you're fired. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, if you missed last week, we talked about Elijah and Elisha, and there's a big difference. One, Elijah mentored Elisha, right? And so we talked a little bit about that. And, and so when you see this verse here, just to give you a little context, they had heard and known a little bit about this prophet Elijah because they had heard at, about what he did. One of the miracles that Elijah did was that he sent this amazing storm. This amazing storm from a little cloud, the scriptures teach us, the size of a hand. And so these guys, when they hear, oh, he helped wash the hands of Elijah, well, if he could, you know, if he was under, you know, mentorship of Elijah, surely this guy, Elisha, can do something. He can send the rain, right? He can send the rain to us. So let's see what happens here. So, so verse 12, Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with Elisha. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And I think one, one thing that's really interesting about this passage is that in this whole 9 through 12 passage, the only name that's mentioned of the three kings is who, y'all? Jehoshaphat, right? The other ones are not even mentioned. They're just the king of Israel and the king of Edom, 
but none of them are actually mentioned by name. Only the king of Judah. Why? The author, the writer of this book, he did it on purpose. Every time you see a name in the Bible, by the way, it's always on purpose. And so he ha- why is because he sticks out. He wants him to stick out above all the other three. He wants to focus in because what he has to say is actually good advice. It's actually wisdom of God. So let's listen to what he says, right? So, so this is where he goes. And so these three kings, are, they're going to go into battle against the Moabites, and they're thinking it's going to be easy, but uh-uh, it doesn't look that way. And so, so these three kings, you guys, had not been serving God. They were pretty far from God, right? And all of a sudden now, all of these three kings, they had been far from God. All of a sudden, now that they're in trouble, they go to God. Isn't that interesting? Now that they're in trouble, they had forgotten about God before, but now that they're in trouble... They go to God. This week, we were at the Game On Conference at the Miami Vineyard. We were hearing some really good, gifted, amazing speakers. Some of you were there, and it was great to see you guys and chat with you, because now I know who you are, Miling and all some other folks. It was great to, to chat with you guys and, and see you guys. Um, and and they, they said a joke the first night that relates to this, what we're talking about, because there was a guy that was in trouble, and he goes to God. Do you want to hear the joke? Okay, okay. For those of you who already heard it, just laugh. Anyway, courtesy laugh. Ha, 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 ha. That would be good. But for those of you who haven't heard it, the joke, uh, I don't know if it's a good thing that I tell you start off by saying it's a joke. But anyway, he claims, the pastor that said it, that he's like, this is true. But I can neither, neither claim or, or, I mean, verify or, or deny its, its validity. But let me just say that. So this guy who's an atheist is walking in the wilderness. And... He's thinking in his mind, wow, what beautiful trees and, and what, you know, beautiful, powerful river and, and these animals are great. He's walking along and all of a sudden he hears this rustle in the bushes behind him and he turns around and this seven-foot grizzly bear jumps out of the bushes. And so the atheist turns and he starts running and the grizzly is right behind him and he looks over his shoulder and he sees the grizzly bear bearing down on him and, and the grizzly bear goes and takes a swipe at him and right when he takes a swipe, he misses and the atheist keeps running and he trips and he falls and he falls like in the kneeling position and he says, oh God, right? And time stops. The forest is silent and a light from the sky shines down. Everybody freezes and this voice says to the atheist, oh, now you want to call on me. Now you want to call on me when you're in trouble. And, you know, when you were denying my existence and teaching others not even to believe in me and to say that this whole creation happened by cosmic accident, and now you're calling on me to come and rescue you. And so the atheist, you know, kind of thought to himself, and he says, well, that would be kind of hypocritical of me to ask you for help. So he says, well, at least make the bear a Christian. <laughs> and so, so the voice says, all right. So the light disappears. Time comes back. And the bear is there. And he swiped again. And he put his other paw together. And he bowed his head. And he said, thank you, Lord, for this food I'm about to eat. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. So, so when we're in trouble, that's where these three kings find themselves, in trouble. And where do they go? They go to God. And what is Elisha's response when they go to God? He says, oh, no, 
now you're coming to me. Now when you're in trouble, before you didn't want to know anything about me, but now let's read what happens here in the scriptures. Um, uh, here in Eli- Elijah, right? Where is he? No, Elisha. He says, Elisha said, verse 13, Elisha said to the king of Israel, why do you want to involve me? Okay, so let's just stop here. Okay, he gets, he cops, Elisha cops an attitude, right? He cops his attitude with, with the kings. And where did, where did he learn to cop an attitude? Well, from his mentor. His mentor was like the king of copying an attitude. I don't know if you know the story of Elijah, but Elijah had, uh, had, he, he had copped an attitude with 450 prophets of Baal, these false prophets, and he told them, you know, he was giving them, uh, he, was, he was teasing them, and he said, hey, let's, ha- let's bring it on, let's have a competition. You guys call on your God, and I'm going to call on my God. Let's have this sacrifice, kill two cattle, and the God that answers by fire, you know, he will be God. If, if your God answers, we'll worship him, and if my God answers, then you'll worship our God, and so bring it on. Let's do this. And so the 450 prophets of Baal, they have this uh, calf, this, this, ca- this I don't know if it was a cattle, it was a cow, I don't know what, but it was something, cattle. They sacrificed this thing on the altar, and they're waiting for fire, and they're calling for fire fire, and what does Elijah start doing? He starts teasing him. He's like, hey, yell a little louder. Your God can't hear you. And they're cutting themselves, and he's like, maybe your God is on vacation. You know, maybe your God is deaf, and he's teasing him, and he's giving him a a heart. Maybe your, your God is in the bathroom. Maybe your God is taking a leak, and that's why he can't come to you. You guys, it's in the Bible. You should read your Bibles. It's, it's pretty interesting. Maybe not the leak part, but definitely he says, go, he's in the bathroom. He's deaf. He can't hear you. It's pretty interesting stuff. You should read your Bible. So he says that. He, so he cops this attitude. And you guys, these, these kings here... They, they had heard about Elisha because they had realized, you know, Elisha in his rookie years, first year of being a prophet after Elijah, he was doing pretty good. He had split the Jordan River, right? He had caused this poisonous water in the scriptures. It talks about this other miracle he did where these poisonous water, he changed to clean water and people drank it. They didn't get sick. Incidentally, I was having a conversation with Chris's wife, Rosa, this week at the Game On conference, and she told me about a story when she was on a mission trip to Haiti, and uh, she was she was needing some water. There was some dirty water, um, and she prayed over it, and she drank it, and she didn't get sick. And I thought, wow, she is just like Elisha. I mean, that's pretty cool because I've been to Haiti, and I, we can't even brush your teeth with the water because if you do, you risk getting what they call the Haitian sensation. And let me tell you, that is not fun. It, I've never had it, but it will clean your pipes and then some. So, so, but she didn't have anything happen to her. She was fine. So we've got to keep an eye on Rosa when she prays because it looks like God hears her pretty well. So, so, so they had heard about uh, Elisha. He had done that. He had also, uh, these two boys were, were, were teasing Elisha because he was bald, and they were calling him baldy, baldy, baldy. And, and Elisha lost his cool, and he asked God to send a bear, and a bear came and ate the boys. That's in your Bibles, too. You guys should read it. It's pretty interesting. It happens. And so, you know, obviously the moral of that story is don't ever make fun of bald people because you don't know where their faith is, and you don't know how close a bear is either. So, so but, but there is, there is Elisha copying an attitude with them, and he's saying, man, why are you coming to me now? Okay, 
You guys have been ignoring God all this time, and now you want to. Look at what he says. Why do you want to involve me? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. He says, go to your mama. He's including your mama in this. He's saying, go to your mama, bringing a mama into this whole thing. So, hey, go to your mama. He says, call on the prophets of your mother. And the end, they respond. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. And Elisha said, and now he's going to be a smart aleck again, all right? He says, watch this. As surely as the Lord Almighty, Almighty lives, whom I serve. See, you guys, far from God. Me, I serve this God. So as surely as the Almighty who lives, I serve him. Um, he says, if I didn't have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. So he says, you other two, you could tell. He's not paying any, they don't even mention their names. Not even mentioning their names in the scripture. Not even paying any attention. It's only because of Jehoshaphat. And he's not even following God now, but he did at one, at one time. So he's saying, Jehoshaphat, you did at one time. Don't forget. That's the only reason why. You know, Oho, I'm watching you. The only reason why I'm listening to you right now is because you at one time followed God. Okay? And so he listens, and then he says in verse 15, says, but now bring me a harpist. Okay, you guys want me to prophesy for you? You guys got to get me in the mood because I really don't like you guys. That's what he's saying. Get me in the mood. Bring me the most biggest, the hardest instrument in the known world at that time to move and bring it into this room and play it for me. And I'll tell you what I get. And so that's what they do. They bring this harpist in and they start playing. And he's pretty demanding, Elisha there. He's pretty demanding. And so look at verse 15 and 16. Then it happened. When the music played, then the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he said, thus says the Lord. Read it out loud with me. What did he say? He said, make this valley full of ditches. Huh? Wait, 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 wait. Make this valley full. I mean, the kings are thinking, what are you talking about? Did you not know that our, our men are dying of thirst They've been walking for seven days without water, and here you are asking them to do some manual labor. You want them to dig some ditches right now? How could you ask them to do that? They're tired. They're about to die, and you want them to dig some ditches? You know, it's funny because we all know that God doesn't need the ditches to be dug, does he? He doesn't need the ditches to be dug, but he still asks them to do something. He asked them to dig some ditches because a lot of times, oftentimes, our greatest need becomes our greatest blessing when it drives us to depend on God. Look at verse 17. For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water. And you and your cattle and your other animals will drink. Verse 18, and this is cocky. He says this. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. In case you didn't know this, kings, this is an, let me tell you about the God we're talking about. This is an easy thing. See, God, he can create water. He can create oceans and rivers and lakes, and he can do it all in a snap of a finger. But just do what I'm asking you to do. I can, God is our strong God. He can do this, but I want you to do something. He says, uh, he, oh, and by the way, that about Moab and delivering them into your hands, he's got that too. But just listen to what I'm saying. I want you guys to dig some ditches. So that's the context of our story. That's the context that we find ourselves in. 
And what I want to do for the rest of our time together is I want to try to apply that directly to our lives with regards to sharing the kingdom. What does that mean for us? Sharing the kingdom does something. Sharing the kingdom believes that God is going to act, that as we act and we create this space, God is going to meet us there. He's going to step towards us as we step towards them. So two towards him. And so two principles of sharing the kingdom. The first one, and this is a good one, and this one gets me really excited, all right? And this one is good. So it says, if you're taking notes, and I don't know if I can get this out. Okay, only God can send the water, but sometimes you have to dig some ditches. Only God can send the water, but sometimes you have to dig a ditch. Only God can send the water, but sometimes you have to dig a ditch. Look at James 2, 26. Just as the body is dead without the breath, without breath, so also is faith dead without what? Somebody say it out loud. So is faith dead without what? Good works. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Do you really think that God needs to, to, for you to dig a ditch? Look, look, there's so many times in the New Testament I shared this last week with Peter as, the, as an example when he was with the other 12 in the boat and Jesus is walking on the water and, Jesus, and Peter says, wow, that's some superhero stuff. Jesus, if that's you, ask me to come and I'll come. And Jesus says, come, right? That one word. Sometimes we only need that one word. He says, come, and Peter gets out of the boat. So many times in the New Testament, the scripture says that Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith. Peter, he says, come. And what does Peter do? He goes. And he starts walking on water. Now, the other 11, you don't see their faith, right? You can't see their faith at all. But, Jesus, but Peter, you can see his faith. He's right there. The man with the withered hand. The man has the withered. Very easily, Jesus could have said, be healed. And the hand would have been you know, Jesus' power, whoo, you know, abracadabra, and he would have just been like that, right? But he doesn't do that. What does he tell the man with the withered hand? He says, stretch out your hand. When Jesus sees your faith, see, he can send the water, but sometimes you have to dig a ditch, and he says, stretch, and the man could have said, but you don't understand, God, don't you understand? This hand does not move. <laughs> this, man, this hand can't, what do you mean, stretch out my, it, it doesn't move. And he says to him, Jesus says to him, in loving words, stretch out your hand. And when he sees, the, then all of a sudden, the hand gets healed. Jesus, another time, he picked up some dirt from the floor and he spit in it and he made some mud. And he put this mud on a guy's eyes who was blind for a long time. And you know what he says to the blind man? He says, go, wash yourself in, in the pool of Siloam. He could have easily said, I mean, mud and you guys... That's nasty, right? I mean, I know you're thinking it, right? That's nasty. And he did that. And then he says, go and wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. See your faith. I want to see your faith. See, sometimes God is ready to send you the water. But we have to dig some ditches. We have to dig some ditches. The man with the withered hand, the blind man, 
So many examples in the Bible of what happens when, when we decide to dig. The, the, the paralyzed man, the man that was lying down paralyzed. What does Jesus tell him? Get up, take your mat, and walk. P- problem. I can't walk. Jesus, if only you would do this for me, my greatest need, if only. And Jesus says, dig a ditch. Dig a ditch, get up, take up your mat, and walk, because I want to bless you, because I want to show you who I am. I want to show you my power. If you will create a space for me to move, and you move towards me, how many of you guys know, even in our monies, I talk to people with, with money issues, and a lot of times I talk to believers with money issues, and I ask them, well, do you give? Do you give? How many of you know that God can do more with your 90% than you can with your 100%? How many of you know that? If you trust God, if you dig a ditch and create a space for God, he will send the water. He will send the blessing. He will, he will make a way where there seems to be no way. You know, I know a guy who's single and he's praying, you know, God, send me that woman. God, send me my wife. Send me my wife. And I'm like, what are you expecting? That, you know, all of a sudden you get this doorbell at your door and it's this hot godly babe holding a Bible that says, hey, stud, take me to church or lose me forever. You know? What are you you expecting? You know, I'm like, dude, brush your teeth. Iron your shirt. Sell your Xbox. Get a full-time job. Move out of your spare, your mom's and dad's spare bedroom and buy some flowers and ask somebody out. You gotta dig a ditch, right? If you want God to bless you. Gotta dig a ditch. You gotta dig a ditch. If you don't dig a ditch, what's gonna happen? God is asking you, you wanna share the kingdom, create a space for me to move. I wanna send you the blessing. I I wanna bring people to Jesus, but you gotta create this space. You gotta show that you want to do this. Only God can send the water, but help me out somebody, but you need to what? That wasn't everybody. I want some people, I want more than one person. Only God can send the water, but what, you guys? You have to what? Yes, how are we going to dig a ditch in sharing the kingdom? What's going to look like? What is that going to look like? Your second principle, if you're taking notes, sharing the kingdom believes big but is willing to start small. Sharing the kingdom believes big but is willing to start small. I know too many people who call themselves followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus. I follow Jesus, but I don't want to think big. I want to think small. You guys, our God is a big God. Our God is a big God. He can handle your big, he can do above anything you ask, think, hope, dream, or imagine. Give him an opportunity, he's saying, but dig a ditch, do that. Give me an opportunity by digging the ditch and watch and see the goodness of God and watch and see what I can do, how I can move a mountain on your behalf if you would just dig a ditch and see. I know some people that they they don't want to think big, but they don't even want to start small. They're just waiting. They're just waiting for something to happen. How do you dig a ditch that way? You can't. You got to go out, look at what, how do you dig a ditch even in that time, in the ninth ninth century? You have a shovel, and what do you do? 
You start small. You make a little, little debt in the ground. And you just keep going and you start small. Zechariah 4.10 says this. Do not despise these what? Somebody help me out. Do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Sometimes you have to start small. Sometimes you have to start small. You might have a big vision, but sometimes you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. You're going to be faithful, and you're going to see what God does, and you start small. In fact, I got a few stories of people who started small. Uh, there's a story of a lady, a young girl, 16 years old, Giselle, who she saw in our city of Miami the poverty and the homelessness here in the city, and she had what we call a sod sat moment. You guys know what a sod sat moment is? Assad sat moment. I talked about this with my team in Cuba last summer. Assad sat moment. Somebody ought to do something about that. She saw a need and she said, somebody ought to. That should not be. And I'm 16 years old. What can I do? Let me see. So she made these peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And she put them in Ziploc bags. And she went and found homeless people in downtown Miami and by herself. And she went and she would roll down her window uh, like an inch. And the car would get surrounded by homeless people. And she would slip these sandwiches out the window to give them food. Now, when she told me about the story, I said, are you crazy? <laughs> you can't do that by yourself. So we started going with her. And it, it, be, it developed into something where we were bringing out chairs and tables and a grill and barbecue and hot dogs and hamburgers and karaoke machine and going under this week after week. And we started serving from what went to 30 sandwiches, you know, grew to 50 sandwiches, then 100, and then with the barbecue, 300 and 400 people. And, and that has been the ministry at our Miami Vineyard for the last 10 plus years. That's how it started by a 16-year-old girl who had a sad, sad moment and saw a need and decided somebody ought to do something about that. She had a big vision. She didn't know how it was going to happen, and somebody did. I, I don't want to go too far from our Cuba team of last year. Have somebody that was there in Cuba, and she saw a need, and she started this ministry called the Fishing Rod. The fishing rod, and the fishing rod was initially when we would go to Cuba, it was to help the pastors who are in desperate, I think it's, what is it, 18, $12 a month, how much is it, 15, 20, $20 a month is their, is their salary, and they have families, and they're not, you know, just by, so a month, y'all, a month, $20 a month, and so she saw the need, she started collecting stuff here and bringing it with us on top of already everything else that we do, because the trip is not cheap, it's about $1,500 just to get to Cuba, you know, transportation, food, and all that, it's actually a good price, but it's not cheap, $1,500, still 15, but on top of that, raising that money, still, she was able to raise some money and, and started with that and now we're going in and not only are we helping pastors with those physical needs we're actually going into a, a cancer ward and helping out children and their parents with physical need physical help because they they have physical needs as well and so this fishing rod just developed and was able to raise a thousand dollars on top of what we already raised the fifteen hundred dollars individually everybody has to raise and then on top of that all what we do in cuba which i'll explain in a minute is hundreds and hundreds of dollars. On top of that, she was able to raise $1,000 to go towards this fishing rod ministry that she started because she saw a need. That's huge, y'all. 
That's huge. Another lady on our team. She had a sod set moment last year. She was there, and God birthed the ministry in her with this umbrella ministry. She saw these people walking in the heat and just getting fried and tired in this scorching hot. You think it's hot here. We have AC <laughs> over there. They don't. And so it's, it's hot over there. And so she said, somebody ought to do somebody, something about that. And so she decided to start this umbrella ministry. And she was able to collect 250 umbrellas for this to, so we can take this year to Cuba. And on top of that, <laughs> she was able to raise all the money that it costs to take because there's cargo shipping costs. It weighs. And so to be able to pay for that cost, she was able to raise for that and pay for 250 umbrellas. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. She saw a need and she decided, I'm going to go do something about it. When we go to Cuba, what do we do? We make history. The last three years we've been going. And we have been, you know, some people don't like what we do <laughs> because it's a little bit controversial. But we make it, nobody does this in Cuba, what we do. We go into Cuba and we, 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 um, we, we, we bring you talking about Pastor Denvo and Hialeah. You guys are doing school supplies. We, we collect 250 backpacks. And I'm not talking about Miami Vineyard churchwide. We make an announcement. Uh-uh. I'm talking about my team of 10, 11 people that we collect 250 backpacks. And not just backpacks. I'm talking about school supplies as well. 15 items of school supplies in each backpack. On top of that, Bibles, New Testament Bibles for kids age appropriate. We buy that as well. That goes in the backpacks. And now these umbrellas are going in super cool. But, but, but we have to do all of these backpacks and, and collect all that and, and raise that on top of the $1,500 that we have to raise in order to get there. I mean, it's nothing short. We're talking, you guys, I did the math. It's thousands and thousands of dollars. It's nothing short of miraculous. But when you see a need, you guys, when you see a need, you just, God, I'm going to take, I'm going to start small. This Hialeah thing, I'm super excited about it. Because this is our church, this is Doral Vineyard saying, hey, we're going to do something about this. This is how we share the kingdom, how we bring the kingdom. We're just going to go and do something. It may not be big. It might be small, but we're going to start small, lean in, and give us, create a space for God to do something, and watch him do something amazing. Can somebody say yes to that? Yeah, so I, I, I love it. I love what we do in Cuba. We, we bring these backpacks, and, and we partner with the pastors, and so we give these backpacks to the pastors so the Americans step out of the way, and it's not the American handout. We work really hard to try to be in the background and not in the forefront when we go to Cuba because what we're trying to do is elevate the pastor in that community so he's no longer looked at as just a spiritual guide, but he's looked at as someone who can meet physical needs as well. And so I can go to him in my community, um, you know, in Cuba, it's supposed to be, uh, you know, it's supposed to be everybody's equal, but the reality is single moms, special needs, uh, parents, um, Afro-Cubans, a lot of Afro-Cubans are not treated equally as, as, you know, contrary to popular opinion or, or, you know, sometimes some of them do, but not all of them are treated equally. And so those are who we go to, the pastor and actually the Department of Defense of the Revolution of Cuba. We partner with them. I know that sounds a little, what? Yes, we do. Because we, we're not about trying to see what flag of who did this. It's not about the American way. It's about trying to get the kingdom to come to this country. 
by any means. Now, whoever it associates me with or alienates me from, it's about Jesus doing the transformation in these people's lives. And so we, we go and we d- partner with the department and with the pastor and, and they get a list. The department gives them the names of some folks, of some very poor, poorest of the poor, poorest Cuba, poorest of the poor in Cuba and the pastors go out and they say, hey, do you have a relative that's poor too? Let me go visit them and they get a list of people who don't know Jesus, far from God, a list of names and they say, if you come on this list, here's a little ticket for you. I'm gonna have something special for you. So this empowers the pastor. They come on this day. The team is there. We give the backpacks to the pastor, and the pastor distributes these backpacks to the kids. Now, in Cuba, uh, you guys, you got to understand, right? We give them a pack of 10 pencils. This is not just for one child, even though it's one child that's invited, but that child comes back to their family and to their neighbors and says, here's, you don't have a pencil because nobody has pencils in Cuba. They give you a pencil at school, and then they take it back when you leave. And so this is for you. This is yours. This is for you you, whatever your name is, you know, Josmani or U.S. Navy or whatever your name is, right? I'm giving you this pencil, and they give them this notebook, and, and then the Bible, you guys, you give a child a Bible here in the United States, and they're like, where's my video game, right? Uh, what am I supposed to do with this? You give a Bible, a book to a child in Cuba, and you guys, the literacy rate is true. They will actually read that book. They would actually read that what, you give them the words of God? That, that's powerful. And by the way, that's not popular. Getting the Bibles into Cuba, that's a miracle. And yet we do that. We bring these Bibles into Cuba. You guys, it's amazing what we do over there. It's amazing we don't, it doesn't get confiscated. It's amazing we get allowed to go into the country. But we have favor. We, we're just, we're not worried about who gets, who, it's, it's, it's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. And so God just makes a way. It's pretty cool. So I just want to encourage you to think big but be willing to start small because only God can send the water, but he wants you to dig the ditch. You say, well, God, I believe you can, and then you just start where you are. And God loves when we participate in his miracles. He loves to do the miracle, but he loves it when he sees your faith. When Jesus saw their faith, when he sees your faith, he loves it. He loves to do the miracle. So you do the, look at verse 20 of 2 Kings chapter 3. Say this, the next morning, or I'm sorry, look at, just look at this. The next morning about the time for the offering of the sacrifice. You ready? There it was. After they faithfully dug the ditches, the Bible says water was flowing from the direction of Edom. And say it with me. And the land was filled with water. Only God can send the rain. But you have to dig a ditch. Some of you right now, you've got a significant need in your life, and you think, if only God would answer this prayer, if only God would come through for me here. Don't ever forget that your biggest need, whatever it is, can become your greatest blessing when it drives you to depend on God. God wants to send the rain, but you have to dig, and he wants to send the water, but you have to dig the ditch. Sharing the kingdom believes big but is willing to start small. I want to pray for a church today that will be full of people who will think big but start small. That sharing the kingdom, believing by faith, creating a space long before there's a cloud in the sky or any sign of water, that if I'll dig this ditch, God is faithful enough to send the water. Father, I pray that you would build the faith of this church both corporately and individually in the house today. 
that we would be different, God, because we are in your presence. As I pray, I want to ask three questions. The first question, I wonder how many of you at this moment in your life, you're facing a significant need, and you need prayer today. Every single one of you, if that's you, just by faith, God knows You're lifting your hand and know the details. Just lift your hands right now. If you're facing a significant need, I want you to just put your hand up all over here. All right, you can put your hands down. Question number two I want to ask. I wonder how many of you, either in this point of your in your life or you know that whenever you face a need that you want the faith to share the kingdom of God if he leads you to do it that you would have the faith to, to even to dig a ditch when you don't see the water, when you don't see the cloud. You do whatever God would call you to do long before you see God do what he promises to do. How many of you here would say, I want that faith. God, God I want to increase my faith to that level of sharing the kingdom, that when he calls you to do it, you will show your faith and trust him to show up and show off on his behalf because this is more about him than it is about us. I want that kind of faith to honor God now. Would you, all over this place, I I pray that everybody would lift their hands for that, right? That we would want all of us to be obedient to whatever God calls us to. I pray right now, Lord, for these two groups of people, God, for those who are in need today. Lord, I hurt with them today. You know their need. I have no idea the intimate details of their situation. But God, we thank you that you do and that you care and that you are here and that you are present and that you are good. And God, that you are working in all things. Even though we may not see it or feel it, you are working in all things. Romans 8, 28. All things work together. All things work together. We put our faith in you, God, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And God, I pray that you would give us the great honor of showing our faith, sharing our faith and showing our faith to you again and again and again that you would give us divine opportunities. God, when when you ask us to share the kingdom, that we would do that, that we would create a space for you to move, that we would lean in. Lord, if that is to forgive someone who has hurt us, that we would even forgive them before they even ask us for forgiveness. And then we just watch you do what you need to do in that person's life, God. Someone that seems unlovable. Lord, that we would just love them to give when we feel like like someone should be giving to us, that we would decide, you know what, I'm gonna create this space. I'm gonna share the kingdom of God right now. I'm just gonna create this space and I'm gonna give. I'm gonna trust again. Even when I've been hurt or betrayed, I'm gonna trust again, God. Whatever form of, of ditch you call us to dig, God, we know and acknowledge you are all powerful and only you can do the miracles. Only you can send the water. But God, when you call us, we would have the faith to dig a ditch. Teach us, God. Stretch our faith, God. That we would believe you. That we would extend our faith and do exactly what you call us to do. The third question I'll ask in a moment, Pastor Denville was 
was kind of alluding to this when you talked about the marriage, and you may not know this marriage of Jesus with you and you with him. You want to talk about digging a ditch. If you want to talk about someone who didn't, doing something before you see a result, what God did for us is the greatest example of love in the world, in the history of the world. Scripture says this, that while we were still sinners, in other words, when we couldn't care less about God, when we weren't even thinking about him, he still loved us. When we were mocking him in every way, living our own way, living outside of God's plan, we were still sinners. Christ died for us. And what did God do? God sent Jesus for us to die in our place as the sinless sacrifice the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. And so on the third day when that stone was rolled away, the tomb was empty and Jesus rose from the tomb. Scripture says, now whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That includes you no matter what you've done, no matter what your past looks like. That includes you. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, what does that mean? That you will be forgiven that God will never hold your sins against you, that you are adopted into his family. You become a child of God by adoption. How do you acquire this status? By faith. It's not by works. It's not by good works. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Scripture says that we are made right with God, not by good works, but by his grace through our faith. These, this, this, there are those of us here that it's time to say yes to God. It's time to put your faith in God, to believe that Jesus was enough, and because of his life, you can be made right with God again. Those of you who would say, that's me, I need his forgiveness, I I, I want this, I want to call on the name of the Lord, would you raise your hand in this moment? Say, yes, that's my prayer, I want to to call on the name of the Lord, and I want to be saved. You can put your hand down. Would you pray this prayer with all of us here? Everybody repeat this prayer, say, Heavenly Father, Forgive me of my sins. And say it like you mean it. Say, make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for new life. Today I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.